Well, we're coming to the second part this morning, <coughs> excuse me, in a, a little kind of holiday series we're doing, three weeks, the start of this year on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, some little snippets from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's this big chunk of teaching in Matthew's Gospel uh, from Jesus, and he's kind of primarily talking to his, disciple, his, his disciples, his, his closest followers, uh, and he, he's telling them all about uh, how he wants them to live as his people. He wants to give them wisdom for a life of uh, following him as their Lord and Saviour. Uh, it's for those guys there in the first century, in the time of Jesus, but also for us now as Jesus' followers in 2024. And in our passage today that Mal just read for us, uh, what we see is G- uh, Jesus uh, really communicates an important truth to his disciples. What he says is that it matters what we treasure. It matters what we treasure. And these verses, I think they push us as followers of Jesus to ask ourselves, you know, what do we treasure? What is it that we treasure? What is it that we we hold on to as most precious? Because as we're going to see as we unpack this teaching of Jesus, it really does matter what we treasure. It matters what we kind of labour and work toward with our lives. Jesus really wants to make sure his people treasure the right things. And so in the first few verses of this little section, Jesus, uh, he highlights and kind of contrasts uh, two different kinds of treasure that his people might uh, kind of hold on to, uh, find in their life and kind of hold on to in their life. Uh, See what he says from verse 19, uh, these two types of treasure. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, uh, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, Two kinds of treasure here. There's uh, treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. And Jesus kind of uh, highlights these, but he also kind of starts to to highlight some of the the differences in the nature of these two kinds of treasure. You know, he says uh, treasure on earth, it's, it's insecure, really. Because it rusts, it, it rots, it's, uh, rots, it's eaten, by, uh, eaten by moths, it's easily stolen and taken away from us. Uh, but treasure in heaven, uh, treasure in heaven is, uh, is secure. It lasts, it, it's far better than the treasure of the world. Uh, does anybody know what this uh, shop is here? few people know. My family know, I can see them up there. So, yeah, there's the other one of my children. Uh, this is a shop called Amazing. This is in uh, Bullcock Street in Caloundra. They also have another one up at uh, Montville, I believe. Uh, we, when we go on holidays to Caloundra, you know, generally around about this time of the year. Last year we went in around about February, I think it was. Um, but whenever we go to Caloundra, we stay just a couple of blocks away from here. And this is one of the places that uh, my family likes to spend a lot of time. When I say my family likes to spend a lot of time, I mean my family, not me. Uh, but uh, this is one of the first things, the first day we get there, when are we going to go to Amazing? I'm like, we've got a whole week, just chill, it's okay. Uh, and it's also dangerous because two doors up from here is the gelato shop, so you know, you can spend a lot of time in the vicinity of that. Uh, but it's a great shop and the kids love to go there and day one think, how can I spend all of my money on one thing right now? Uh, I have to try and help to temper their excitement and say, no, maybe just have a look at some things for a few days and maybe then choose something afterwards. 
but it's often hard to kind of temper their excitement there. And particularly, one of the things, you know, our job as parents is to help them make good choices with their money, uh, to, to kind of use their money on things uh, that maybe last for a while, not something that will just uh, end up being uh, put in the bin in five minutes. Uh, now, the first service, I really tried not to give away who, which child this was because I didn't want to embarrass them. Uh, but I failed because I, uh, I, I used their uh, pronoun uh, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> within about the first sentence. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to do it anyway. Elsie, I'm sorry. But I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm probably going to say she anyway. It was Elsie, but that's okay. I love Elsie. But she really wanted last year, she, wanted, she saw this little wind-up uh, toy, swimming toy. It was a little uh, turtle, I think, was it Elsie? A wind-up turtle that you put in the, uh, in the pool or the bath or whatever and it swims around. And this thing was about, I don't know, $7 or $8. It was ridiculous. It cost about 14 cents to make. Uh, Elsie was adamant that she wanted it. I tried to convince her otherwise. I said, you know, this thing's, like, it's just, it's a piece of junk. It's going to break. It's not worth $8. Uh, I reckon it'll be broken by tomorrow. But anyway, Elsie was short. No, but I really want it. And I thought, okay, well, time to learn. Maybe learn a little lesson here, you know, because I'm so wise. Uh, <laughs> and so I said to Elsie, sure, you know, okay. But I tell you, I reckon it's going to be broken within a day. It's just cheap rubbish. Uh, um, I kid you not, we walked uh, to two blocks back to the unit where we were staying. Uh, halfway home, it was broken. <laughs> we didn't even get to the pool. Uh, anyway, it was a hard lesson to learn, but you've got to learn these lessons, right, Else? Uh, yeah, it matters what we kind of spend our, our money on. We want to help our kids spend their money on things that will last, not things that will kind of just break and end up in the bin. Um, it's important lessons we need to learn. Uh, it's a lesson Jesus is, is kind of teaching as, uh, in this passage as well too. Just like it matters what we might spend our little bits of holiday money on, it matters for us as uh, Christians, it matters uh, what we treasure. I think one of the first things that might come to our mind when we think about treasure though is, you know, what does that actually mean? What does Jesus mean by, by treasures here? You know, when you hear the word treasure, perhaps you think of, of pirates and treasure maps and digging up buried treasure, a wooden chest full of gold and, and rubies and diamonds. You know, when we think about treasure on, uh, on earth, our earthly treasures, you know, what are we talking about? Is, is that what it is? Is it just money and, and, and uh, you know, our personal kind of wealth and riches that we can use to buy things? And, you know, perhaps it could be. But I reckon Jesus might have something a little bigger in mind here, a little bit bigger in view. You know, as Jesus talks here, he doesn't use the Greek word uh, for money. It's the, that's the word uh, mammon. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you get the picture. Uh, a little bit later he'll use this word at the end of the passage, but right now he uses the word which is translated treasure. He says, don't store up treasure on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. It's a, it's a word that kind of literally means in Greek a, a collection of precious things. A gathering of things that you hold precious. Your treasure to Jesus here seems to be something that can span uh, both uh, heaven and earth. Uh, real treasure seems to be something that is much bigger than what we can just simply grasp onto. Something that might uh, have value both here and now and uh, in the kingdom of heaven. So, what is true treasure? This is, um, this is a, my, the first guitar my parents ever bought me. And I know you're looking at it and you're thinking, wow, my parents must have been game buying me an electric guitar for my first guitar. Uh, you can't really see it there. It is purple, though. It's a purple Ibanez electric guitar. I put heaps of stickers on it because that's what you do when you're a teenager. Uh, I love this guitar. 
I've had it since I was in grade nine, I think it was. Uh, it's gone with me everywhere I've gone. I haven't played it for years, but I get it every, out every now and then and just have a fiddle with it and look at it. Uh, I love it. I'll never get rid of it. It's, uh, it's something that, you know, I'm hoping that Ollie might be able to pick up and play at some stage. Uh, to me, this is something that, uh, that, that I treasure. holds a really special place in my heart. See, true treasure is more than just money, isn't it? You know, treasure is what has captured our hearts, which is exactly what Jesus says in verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And wherever your treasure is located, that's where your heart is too. What we treasure is what is always in our hearts, the things that hold the ultimate worth in our hearts. And so Jesus says, don't lay up, don't store up, don't give your hearts to worldly treasures. Instead, give your heart to heavenly treasure. It's worth just noting here and asking the question, you know, is Jesus kind of uh, against the things of the world, against you know, money and possessions and houses and phones and things like that? Is he, is, he, is he prohibiting these things? Well, no, he's not. He doesn't say you can't have any money, you can't have any stuff. Uh, he doesn't say you can't have things of worldly value at all. Yeah, he doesn't, he's not saying you can't uh, own a house, you can't save up and buy a car. He's not saying you can't put some savings in the bank for a rainy day. He's not saying you can't uh, make sure you've got good superannuation to look after you when you retire. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that Christians can't own stuff and have worldly possessions. So Jesus isn't opposed to these things. What he is opposed to is the attitude that we can often have to these things. The attitude of our hearts towards these things. Which is kind of what Jesus is getting at in this first section. It's a, it's a warning to believers to examine our hearts. You know, to examine our hearts so that we're not just selfishly accumulating and kind of hoarding money and possessions or, or even things like success and fame and acknowledgement and acceptance. These things we value. Jesus warns not to hoard these things for ourselves. Not to find our ultimate satisfaction in them. He doesn't want us to be like Scrooge McDuck. Does anybody know Scrooge McDuck? I can't remember the name of the... Was it DuckTales? Is that what it was off? DuckTales, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, Scrooge McDuck. He was, uh, if you don't remember Scrooge McDuck, uh, he was, I think he was the rich, what, uncle of these kids or something or something like that, uh, of these, uh, the, the small ducks, and he was absolutely filthy rich. He had a big building uh, full of money. This is his money building, and he would just, just seemingly just stop off there at time to time and just... Uh, jump off the diving board and swim around in his money. Just, just absolutely just loving, him, loving his life, just glorying in all his treasure. This is the kind of thing that uh, Jesus uh, warns us against. He, he doesn't want us to be like that because these things, money, treasure, he warns us against them because they're the kind of things that are really easy to give our heart to. Things that can tether our hearts to the earth. And they can be so tethered to these things, it's easy for our hearts to end up so tied to the things of the earth that we can have no hope or no joy without them. But we can easily forget 
we can overlook that this stuff just doesn't last. As Jesus said, earthly treasures rust and rot, they perish, they can be easily taken. And yet he doesn't say avoid them completely, but to kind of hold on to them loosely because they are fleeting. Your new phone will one day die and not work and end up in the bin. Your kind of car will rust away in a scrapyard or maybe be recycled into something else. You know, that new found kind of success that you've, uh, you have will one day kind of start to, to wane and you'll be thinking about what's next, what's the next thing. That you know, you'll start to get old, maybe you start to feel like you're not quite across things as well as you used to be and the, the new young upstart will come in and replace you at work. And so it's foolish to tether our hearts to things like this that won't last. For the Christian, Jesus says, things must be different. He wants his followers to to work towards the right kind of treasure, to to let our hearts be captured by the right kind of treasure. He wants us to lay up treasure in heaven. I reckon one of the questions when we read a passage like this, though, is what does it actually mean? What does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven? I think we get what it means to lay up treasure on earth, but what does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven? And, you know, Jesus actually, he doesn't really elaborate on what he means here, what it means to lay up treasure in heaven. But I reckon as we look at the Bible, I think we can get a bit of a good picture of what it means. Uh, You know, whenever, uh, throughout the Gospels, whenever Jesus talks about kind of laying up treasure in heaven, uh, he almost always is kind of talking about living a life a person living a life of God-centred kind of grace and generosity. That's what it seems to look like in the Gospels to, to, to be laying up treasures in heaven. There's a few examples here. In, in Luke 12, uh, storing up treasures in heaven, uh, Jesus says it's a, it's a call to kind of uh, sell uh, your possessions so that you can give to the poor. In uh, Luke 14... Uh, Jesus uh, is talking about uh, being rewarded at the resurrection. Uh, and he kind of points to the person, to the, the Christian person, who, who opens up their home uh, and puts on a banquet for the poor and the blind and the deaf and the widow. Now, unlike uh, the kind of person who is of the world, the, the Christian person, the person in view here is a person who is, is always asking, not what can I get, but what can I give? How can I use the things God has given me to bless other people, to serve others? How can I use my money, my wealth to kind of fuel the mission of Jesus and to see his good news go out? I think what Jesus is really getting at here is he really wants his disciples to to, to let our hearts be captured by the eternal riches of heaven, to kind of centre our lives around our heavenly treasure, rather than around the temporary kind of treasures of the world. But the reality, the reality is, though, for all of us, if you're like me, uh, we struggle to do this. We find this really hard. You know, a lot of the times we can end up kind of just focusing on the, the wrong things in life, can't we? And we end up just kind of missing out on the main thing. 
I was reminded uh, you know, of, a, of a quote this week from C.S. Lewis. It's, it's one that maybe you've heard before. It's a pretty famous quote, but he says, uh, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud, mud pies in a slum because you cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. really rings true, I think, for me at least when I read that. You know, it's so easy to let ourselves be distracted by so many other things, chasing after treasure that just in reality is junk, while the riches of heaven are freely offered to us through Jesus. You know, as I look around at our church family, I've got to tell you, it is such an encouragement to, to see so many people in our church family who are, uh, you know, who absolutely, uh, it's clear that they have had their hearts captured by the treasures of heaven. And people who are committed to being generous with their time and their money and their resources, who, who, who don't just sing and talk about Jesus and the riches of his kingdom, but they live it out. So many people like that in our church family, and it's such a good witness to the good news of Jesus. It's a, such a good witness because the reality is the, the importance, the, the worth of the kingdom of God, it's, it's really evident to the people around us in the way that we live, in the way that we serve each other, in the way we encourage each other, the way that we share our lives with each other, in the way that you kind of prioritise the things of God and his kingdom. And it's really evident in the way that our people choose to give generously. And so, church, what do you treasure? What has captured your heart? I want to encourage you to, to ask that question of yourself this morning and to, to meditate on it this week, perhaps. What is it that you treasure? What has captured your heart? Uh, I've got a picture here of someone I want to introduce you to. Does anybody know who this is? That's you, isn't it, Murray? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, anybody know who this is? Yell it out. Russell Coit, that's good, yes. This is Russell Coit. He's an absolute, uh, one of the best characters in TV history. If, you don't, if, you're not, if you're too old for Russell Coit, Uncle Arthur, think Uncle Arthur. Uh, if you're too young, you might have seen him on the, the Mitsubishi ads. Uh, of late for these, uh, these electric vehicles. But uh, Russell Coyle, he's a favourite in our household. Um, we kind of have to try and uh, just you know, filter some of the um, inappropriateness out a little bit, but there's, there's so much uh, comedy gold. Uh, Russell Coyle, he's a kind of a wannabe bushman who actually kind of is a bit clueless, doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, one of the things that uh, Russell Coyle does, he often says things, uh, has sayings, or kind of tries to explain things in a way that to him makes sense, I think, but to the people around him, just go, I've got no idea what this guy's saying. Uh, here's an example I wanted to share with you. I remember this one from uh, the All Aussie Adventures series, uh, but he was talking about how much water you need if you're going to head into the bush. This is how much water you need. Uh, Russell Coit says, I never go into the outback, I feel like I should do the voice, I never go into the outback, no, without a decent supply of water. And the general rule for how much you'll need is three litres per day, per person, per man, per degree over 25 degrees Celsius, per kilometre if walking on foot, uh, in the winter months, dividing it by two, plus 
another leader at the end. <laughs> perfect, makes perfect sense, right? Uh, it's one of uh, Russell's sayings, one of his kind of uh, bits of wisdom that uh, doesn't really make sense. It's good fun, though. As we move into the next few verses of this, uh, uh, this uh, passage here, what we read, I reckon, feels a little bit like one of these sayings from Russell Corded. Uh, it doesn't really make sense, I think, when we read it the first time. Uh, verse 22, uh, Jesus says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I think at a, a kind of base level, we kind of get that. Okay, yep, if you can see light, if you can't see darkness. But also, like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? I think it's really important for us to realise this kind of teaching of Jesus here. It's really rooted in the culture of the first century, like so much of, of the Bible. It uses imagery and, and kind of expressions that are really foreign to us here in 2024. And so we kind of need to dig a little to, to unearth what Jesus is trying to kind of say and communicate here. But really, you know, I've done, I've done a, a bunch of reading into this to try and figure out what, what Jesus is getting at. Uh, when it comes down to it, I think what he's trying to say here is, you know, uh, in ancient Israel, uh, the idea of having a, a healthy eye, it was a reference to someone who was generous. Someone had a healthy eye, they were, they were really generous. They were uh, someone who was generous and not stingy. They, were, uh, they had a healthy eye and they were, they were full of light. Uh, the person who, on the other hand, kind of hoarded their money and, and their possessions and they weren't willing to share it with anyone, they were considered to, to have a bad eye, to be kind of full of darkness. So there's, there's light and darkness, uh, a good eye and a bad eye. And, and so what Jesus is really getting at here, I think, is that for his followers, uh, it's important to have a, a, a healthy eye, a, an outlook, a vision of life that is healthy and full of light. And for Jesus to have a healthy eye... To have a, a vision of life that is healthy, it means a life of generosity rather than a life of kind of stinginess and self-centeredness. And you know, these, these verses, when we, when we understand that, they really do help to, to reinforce what Jesus has already been saying, don't they? You know, that those who follow Jesus, our, our hearts are to be uh, captivated by the riches of heaven rather than the, the riches of earth. And you know, when our hearts are, are tethered to our heavenly uh, treasure... You know, our, our outlook on life, our vision for life, it'll be radically different to the world around us, won't it? You know, we'll live gospel-centred lives. We'll be, we'll be concerned more with kind of being generous with everything that God has blessed us with rather than kind of just selfishly hoarding as much as we can for ourselves because we treasure heavenly things and we hold really loosely to the things of earth. And, you know, there are just an endless amount of ways that we can be generous with our, with our time and our money and our resources. And, you know, I encourage you to be just thinking about what those things are and to do them more and more, of course. But I reckon part of being generous uh, with uh, the things God has given to us as his followers, I think it definitely involves uh, being committed uh, to supporting uh, the local church community and resourcing what God is doing through his church. And, you know, our church has an, incredibly, uh, an incredible long history of amazing generosity. 
God has been so good to us and faithful to us and so many people have seen that and have responded by being so generous to our church. And even in the last uh, few months, we've seen examples of this. You know, it isn't just about giving to church, but I think a passage like this is a real challenge for us to, to think about giving to church. But it's also a challenge for us to really stop and just to consider our kind of outlook on life. Our outlook on when it, uh, when it comes to our kind of our, our personal finances, our resources, our, our money and our time and our, our stuff. It's not bad for us to have these things. But I reckon it is good for us to pause and to ask ourselves regularly, how can I be generous? How can I be generous with the things that God has blessed me with? As we respond with thanks to the truth of the gospel, when we, when we look at the, the generosity of our God who has, that he's poured out to us in Jesus, you know, all of it is a, a free gift a generous gift of God and his grace that we can't earn, we can't repay. But I reckon we can't see uh, these things and, and we can't see them and, and not be moved. I reckon we can't help but be generous ourselves when we reflect on how generous God has been to us. Giving our time, our money, our things and really our whole lives in worship of our incredible Saviour. Uh, another, uh, this is another, so many examples of things from my life at the moment, but does anybody uh, remember this little girl? The taco girl, yes, and from an old El Paso ad from a few years ago, you might remember the ad, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, they were trying to decide, you know, are we going to have soft shell tacos tonight or are we going to have hard shell tacos? What are we going to, like, how do we, what are we going to do? The dilemma of the 21st century, soft shell or hard shell tacos. And uh, they're really struggling to know what to do. And then this little girl, she pipes up and she says, forgive me for this, por que no los dos? Or, why don't we have both? And all of a sudden, the celebrations start. This little girl, she's figured it out. They're really lifting her up in the crowd and celebrating. She's figured it out. We don't have to choose. We can have both. Amazing. Uh, this last verse, Jesus kind of wraps things up uh, in this section. He, he makes it really practical for us and he's kind of explaining uh, that now kind of behind the choice of the two treasures, treasures on earth or treasure in heaven, behind the, uh, the, uh, the choice of whether we have a healthy outlook on life or a, an unhealthy outlook on life, really behind these things, Jesus says, is a, is a choice between two masters. And what he says is that it's actually impossible to have both. It's impossible to choose both. That's what he says in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is really getting to the heart of it now. He's getting to the heart of, of, of the, the fact that the, the real potential for, for money and things and possessions uh, to become idols to us. You know, people can only serve one master, Jesus says, and it's only fitting for Christians to serve God as their master. 
Now, earlier we, we looked at the idea of treasure and we said that Jesus wasn't really just talking about money there, but probably more than money. But uh, here, uh, Jesus does use that, that word for money, that word mammon. Uh, and what he's trying to show us here is the, the, the kind of clear, practical, everyday choice that we must make. When the rubber hits the road every day, the choice we must make here is between God and money. That's reality. The stark truth that has been kind of tested and and, and proven true over and over again throughout the course of human history, the truth is that we cannot serve both God and money. People have tried, we've tried constantly. It's not possible. Maybe you think you can, but in reality, if you really examine your heart, you know that you're actually serving God with your lips, but your heart is actually serving money. Perhaps you're really good at making it look like you're kind of giving your life to God and you're serving God with your whole heart, but uh, really there's part of you that's actually just pursuing your own wealth and and well-being above uh, everything else. I think the most probably common, I think, for uh, all of us really is actually having uh, our devotion is just divided. Yeah, maybe you think actually, yeah, I... I'm devoted to God, you know, mostly, but you know, actually, I've got a little bit, a little bit here for God. Or maybe you think actually, mo- most of it's for God, uh, yeah, but a little bit for money, or a little bit for God, and, and but actually, it turns out most of your heart is given uh, to money and your bank balance. This kind of split devotion, it, it doesn't work. It, our hearts don't work like that. God deserves our entire exclusive devotion. Our human hearts, they aren't designed to be able to to worship in two kind of distinct directions at one time. And our God deserves our wholehearted devotion. And so for each of us, we have a choice. We have a choice between worship and idolatry. It's a choice that really it becomes about more than just what will last or not. It's about more than just what is generous and right or not. Really, it's about where we bestow the most worth. What do we give the most worth in our lives? Is it our creator? Or is it the things our creator has made? And when we ask ourselves this question, I think when it comes down to it, it's not really a question at all, is it? Our God deserves our wholehearted devotion. It's what we were created and designed for. It's what we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus for. To give our whole lives in wholehearted devotion to our God to set our eyes and our hearts on the the riches of heaven that have been freely given to us through our Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come uh, this morning and we reflect on your word, Lord, um, it's a real challenge to us because uh, we do find it so easy to give our heart to the things of this world And so, Lord, we need your help with that. And we pray that you might help us to fix our hearts and our eyes on the things of heaven. 
and that we might hold loosely to the things of this earth. Because, Lord, we want the people around us to see really clearly how much value, how much worth you have, how much value your kingdom has. And so we pray that you might help us to set our hearts and to give our hearts to the things of heaven and at the same time be really generous with the things that you have given us on this earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.